This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hello, my name is Susan Prosnitz, and I'm the Executive Director of the Rappaport Center for Law and Public Service at Suffolk University Law School. We are continuing the Rappaport Center podcast series today with Jack McDevitt. Jack is an Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies with the College of Criminal Justice at Northeastern. He is a renowned expert on various criminal justice issues and author of the first national report on hate crimes that was prepared for the FBI. Dean McDevitt is here to talk to us about the important issue of hate crimes and specifically in the context of violence against the homeless. And we are very grateful for your presence here today, Dean McDevitt, and look forward to the conversation. I guess I'd like to begin with sort of laying a foundation for this issue. Can you perhaps give us a definition of a hate crime in Massachusetts? Sure. Um, I think that the best way to think about it is the key to hate crime is motivation. So when we use the definition, we say that it's a criminal incident that's motivated either entirely or in part by a person's difference. And just to break that down quickly, we are talking about crimes. We're not talking about hate speech because that's protected by the First Amendment. But we're, so we're talking about criminal incident. We're talking about the motivation. And the motivation could be entirely antipathy towards a group or it could be I'm going to rob people, but I'll only rob people from this group. So it could be partially the motivation. And the person's targeted because of membership in some group or organization. So that's the definition. That's sort of what we're dealing with around hate crime. And he- here in Massachusetts, uh, we obviously have a hate crime statute. Can you talk a little bit about the history of that statute, who is covered by the statute, what its purpose is, and you know, who it seeks to protect? Sure. The Massachusetts statute is a little bit unique. We have two, two, two separate statutes, and they're a little bit unique. They're, um, one of the first ones in the country, the Boston Police had the first hate crime unit in the country, the Community Disorders Unit under uh, Billy Johnston. And what, what Massachusetts statute does that's a little bit different is they don't enumerate the protected groups. What everybody does, most statutes do, is say if you're attacked because of race, religion, or ethnicity, and then they start adding on categories, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. You could add in gender, and you could add in you know, physical disability, and you could add in a whole variety of different groups. The Massachusetts statute just sort of leaves it open. If you're engaged in a constitutional right, either state constitutional right or federal constitutional right, and somebody with bias intervenes in that, then you're protected under the statute. So it's been easier in Massachusetts to include other groups than it would be in other states we have to amend a statute. So before we get to the question of whether the homeless population should be included and and how to address um, concerns currently facing that population, can you talk a little bit, if you know, about what are the current crime trends against the homeless? Is there an increase in violence, for example? Obviously, we don't have good statistics on crimes against the homeless. They don't get reported as accurately as we would like. There's lots of those crimes that go unreported because the homeless are afraid to tell the police about them. There is some data, the National Coalition for the Homeless has some data that indicates that serious attacks and even homicides have been increasing. And and as I tried to think about in preparation for this, like why that might be, you know, we've seen an increase in folks who were homeless because of foreclosures, because of the real estate crisis. And one of the things that has happened, if you look at some of the conservative talk shows, is a lot of blaming of those people, that they should have known better, they shouldn't have taken these mortgages, that somehow they were, you know, should have predicted that the housing market was going to fall to the floor. So I think that what we're finding is that I think that there probably is an increased vulnerability on some of the homeless part, but we really don't know that in terms of the, the numbers because the data just isn't there yet. 
So it's my understanding that a handful of states have adopted statutes that include the homeless as covered, perhaps as a result of some of these recent crime trends. Can you talk a little bit about arguments for and against such a change to the statute? Yeah, I think that um, the the biggest point is I think we have three states now. First state was Maine, and then it was followed by Florida and by Maryland. And Maine was in 2006, Maryland 2009, Florida 2010, and also the District of Columbia has a statute. I think there's also pending legislation in Ohio and Texas. The, the idea is to sort of try to make this a more serious event, to make people take notice. I think one of the things that gets confusing, though, and hopefully we can talk about it some today, is that the idea that every crime against a homeless person wouldn't be a hate crime. As we go back to the definition, the definition is the motivation for the crime. So if someone's beaten and there is no bias towards the homeless, then that would just be a robbery or an assault. It's not a hate crime. As you well know, Susan, you've done some of this legislation, you know, not every crime against a woman is a gender-based hate crime. And as a matter of fact, you know, one of the interesting things is that Massachusetts has gender as one of the protected categories in, in its statute, has a definition of gender-based hate crimes. In 2008, which is the last year we had data, there were 35% of the victims of hate crime in Massachusetts were women, and we didn't have a single gender-based hate crime. So I think hate crime might be one tool, but it isn't going to be effective by itself just making homeless category an, an inclusive category in hate crime statute. Well, that sort of leads itself naturally to my next question, which is, it sounds like what you're saying is maybe adding homelessness to the definition of hate crimes is perhaps not the best way to protect that population. So what are some of your recommendations? Well, I think that there's two things that we need to do. One is to send a message out there that this is a serious crime, and we can do that by increasing the penalties. That's one solution, but it's not effective in itself. It's not going to change anything. What we really need to do is to do figure out a way to do some more training of law enforcement and outreach to the homeless population. What we've learned through the hate crime research that's been done and the outreach from law enforcement is that communities will come forward to the police if they believe they're going to be taken seriously and they're going to get a real response, whether it's the gay, lesbian, bisexual community or whether it's African Americans, whether it's Middle Eastern folks or the homeless. And you can only do that by going out to them as law enforcement and saying, if you something happens to you, we'll protect you. And we haven't done that very much. And until we figure out ways to effectively communicate that to the population, it's not going to make a big difference, whatever the statutory changes we make. And my last question to you is, what, what's happening at the federal level? Is there any pending legislation? And if so, what is its scope and coverage? There, uh, There is pending legislation to add it to the federal hate crime statute, animal homelessness as a category. It's been sponsored by a representative from North Carolina. And... It doesn't seem to have very much traction at the moment. There's been a little bit of discussion. There is a set of hearings that were held where they had some people testify as to the merits of that proposal, but it doesn't seem to be getting any traction to get out of that committee. So I think it's still something that's sitting at the federal level, and it's with a whole series of these kind of civil rights things that you would think this administration would embrace that they've been slower to embrace than some people might have wanted Great. Well, thank you so much, Dean McDevitt, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and willingness to talk about this important and timely topic. And thanks to the Rappaport Center for sponsoring such an event. This is a wonderful opportunity for everybody to sort of learn about a new issue and to think about other ways that we can protect a vulnerable population in our society. 
This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.